All right, Rockers, welcome back. Oh, he's stopping us. Turning off the AC. Seth and I have a favor to ask. If you are enjoying Extra Credit, the Rock You podcast, please do us a solid and go ahead and share it with friends. Also, if you rate and review it on whatever podcasting platform you listen, it will get to other people and that'd be good. We want more people to hear about this stuff that we think is so cool. So share, rate, review, and thank you. All right, Rockers, welcome back. It's Extra Credit, the Rocky Podcast. I'm your co-host, Seth Hinckley, sitting here with the Tom Morello to my Brad Wilk, <laughs> multi-instrumentalist, that's guitars, keyboards, and violin, Mr. Matt Black. Well, I don't know that I actually play any of those instruments, but thank you, I've Seth. I've seen you play them <laughs> on stage, Don't forget bass, live. I play bass a lot. I've never so, seen you play bass Yeah, you live. have. Every time you've seen a doodad show, you just haven't noticed. Wow. Yeah. I must be not paying enough attention when I see the doodads. <laughs> That's okay. We don't want you to pay attention. We just want you to have fun and dance. You just want me to have yeah. fun and dance That's and, right. and maybe, maybe pay for extra drinks. <laughs> All right, dude, what are you wearing today? Today I'm wearing my Muse the Second Law t-shirt. You'll find out why soon enough, because what are you wearing? I'm sporting my Rage Against the Machine nice. t-shirt. Just the red block that says Rage. I'm confused front. about your reference. I'm looking forward to an explanation. Well, I think you might figure it out if you tell everybody what we're going to talk about today. Well, no, 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 I got that. It was the, it was the I'm the Tom Morello to your... Oh, oh, of course, never mind. Tom sorry. Morello to Brad Will? Yeah, 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 sorry, sorry. I was going, <laughs> well, there's I was two going ways Zach that you could go yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's, all, it's, all, it's on me. You'll right. figure it out here What are we minute. talking about today, or should I tell you? You should tell me. Today, Seth, we are talking about songs that get you fired up. Roar! Yeah, fired up! Woohoo! Woo! All right, man. <laughs> so... Your criteria for songs that get you fired up. I really, there, I really didn't have anything complicated this time. Pretty basic. It's something you songs listen to. Songs that get you fired up. There you go. All right. <laughs> Although I will say there's a lot of different ways to get fired up, and I didn't make a distinction between are you fired up because you're angry, are you fired up because you're happy, are you fired up because you're energized. Okay. They all work for me. Me too. Yeah. That's, that's right where I went. So... All right, who's going to start and who's going to get the last I word? I never remember. Why don't I start go for and it. then you get the last okay, word? Okay, go this. for it. Okay. Wait, wait, over under? Uh, man, over under. I'm going to say, God, let's set it at one and a half and I'm going to take the under. I'm taking the under too. I noticed in listening to back episodes that every time I take the over, I'm wrong. So I'm just going to the well, sometimes you might be right, but no, if no, we no, no, it, not so far. All right, here. All right, let's make it a little more interesting. Let's set the over under at one half. I'm still going to take the under. You're still going to take the under. Yeah, I'm going to take the under too. Okay. Yeah, because I don't. I've got a, some on this list. I don't think you're going to have any. Of this. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure mine's going to be not on your list if, as well. If if you do have one, it's going to be my number one. Let's go. But all right, we'll see. All right, number five for me is a song called "Ladies and Gentlemen" by Saliva. And it's off their album, Bloodstained Love Story from 2007. Seth, you got to stop making up songs. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. The clip's coming. <laughs> so uh, this one starts out with heavy distorted guitar, and then the verse kicks in and sounds like a circus announcer on a megaphone. The chorus keeps the loud metal sound with the words, ladies and gentlemen, spoken through the megaphone again. And my description may sound hokey, but the sound of this song really works. And the caveman drum fills, as Rick Beato likes to call them, are primal and awesome. And the chorus is just great. Do you want it? Do you need it? Let me hear it, ladies and gentlemen. 
The band wrote this song in the hopes that it would get played in sports arenas and on video games. And they succeeded. It's been used by the NFL Network, the MLB Network, and NHRA Drag Racing, and I think also in wrestling. Hmm. Good song to start off with at number five, Ladies and Gentlemen by Saliva. All right, right. so what's your number five? All right. My number five is Still by Ghetto Boys. And wow, yeah. a Houston band. I didn't even know that. Yeah. 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 Dude, Fifth Ward, Ghetto <laughs> Boys. They're, yeah, man. I had man. no idea they were from Houston. All right. Well, I did that for you. I knew it all along. There you go. Uh, well, first of all, <laughs> I don't know that this band is hugely well known outside for one reason, which I'll get to in a second, but they were really influential. Tupac, 50 Cent, excuse me, 50 Cent, Eminem, Mystical, Lil Wayne, Jay Z, Outkast, and others regard them as, as influences. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got Scarface and Big Mike and other uh, rappers. This song is just just an outpouring of anger, like most Ghetto Boys songs, actually. Anger, paranoia, yeah, anxiety, <laughs> uh, hallucinations, and all kinds of you know weird stuff going on. It's hard to quote from this song because there's a lot of inappropriate language, but I'll, I'll pick up. Well, a... you, you just tell me where to put the beeps, and I'll put the beeps in. <laughs> well, y- you'll know. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a little segment from the song is, The murder mate may increase if you're caught up in the world while it's dying. I guarantee you're frying, because I am on the verge of knocking mother beepers out out for no reason and there's a couple things I want to say about it first of all I love the song it is just this outpouring of anger and rage and it does get you fired up if you're pissed off and you listen to the song you're like yeah 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 that's a great you know that's a great energy but the song has an added dimension and it's also why I think it's well known is because of its iconic use in the movie Office Space when the three yeah. guys are beating the crap out of the yeah. printer or fax machine. I can't remember. It's a, I think it's a printer. Fax machine. doesn't matter. They're, PC they, load they, letter. They, yeah, it's the printer. Exactly. They take it to a field. It, it's like a scene out of a Quentin Tarantino movie. They're beating the crap out of this inanimate Slow object. motion with the baseball with, bat. With real anger. With oh, real, yeah. With real hate in their hearts. And, you know, with the baseball bat exactly punching it, like being, being restrained by each other because they're overdoing it. It's such a good scene. And it yeah. adds such a layer of meaning. And I... I, I want to talk a bit about the layer of meaning. Uh, my grandmother used to have a phrase. She would use the phrase, the tyranny of the inanimate. Yeah. When you're dealing with a human being and your circumstances are difficult or difficult to explain or special, you can say, listen, this is what happened. When you're dealing with a computer or a machine, you can't. You can't reason with it. If it's got, yeah. if it, it won't do what you want it to do for reasons that don't make sense, you can't explain why those reasons don't make sense. And we think of these things as labor-saving devices, but actually, they kind of drive us crazy. So I don't think that's what Ghetto Boys was thinking about when they made the song. Definitely not. But it works on the <laughs> level that they meant, which is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it also works on this other level. To me, every time I hear it, first of all, I'm amused because the scene is so funny. But second yeah. of all, I'm, like if, yeah. I, if I'm dealing with a cranky printer or customer service menu that won't doesn't have my option it's like that expresses that rage against an inanimate object so still by ghetto boys by the way i should say this is one of those lists that could have changed daily uh that's just the one yeah. i picked when i made the list yeah this so, there, yeah. there are a lot of songs that you can put on this so many, list so many and uh i just picked the well, there's one that's always at the top of my list. Well, we'll, but, we'll get to that number one. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but, you know, the rest of them, some of them are, you know, interchangeable. But these are the ones that when I made the list, these are the ones that were like, yeah, exactly. that's, that should be on the list. Exactly. What's your number two? No, number four. Number four. Sorry, I can't count today. Two, four, one, whatever Same, number yeah, we're yeah. on. So my number four is Minus Human by Metallica. It's on the album S&M from 1999, and that's the live concert 
or concerts, I should say, that they did with the San Francisco Orchestra. Wow, I don't know this. You, if uh, you like Metallica at all, you need to go pull up S and M on Spotify and just listen to it all the way through. Great show. Metallica with the San Francisco Orchestra is awesome enough, but this song is my favorite off that double album. And as far as I know, and according to Metallica's website, they've only played it live four times, and those are the four concerts that were the S and M recordings in California, New York, and Berlin in 1999. The music with the symphony is awesome, and there's really no way to play this song without that huge symphonic presence. And the music is really what makes this song, since the lyrics aren't really that inspirational on their own. You've got to breathe, man, breathe, coming up for air. There's a version on YouTube with just the band without the symphony. It loses a lot. So I can see why they've only performed it in concert four times, because even they think it's great only with the symphony, because it's such a good song. It gets me fired up. It's a great song. It's a headbanger of a song. It's one of the things that I would listen to when I was going into the gym, when I was still going to the gym, and lifting weights. And that was one of the ones that I would have in my headphones when I was doing that. That's my number four, Minus Human right. by Metallica. Cool. What's your number four? My number four is a song that many people love to hate, but come on, it's a great song. Many people not, might not know it by the title. The song is Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Yeah. <laughs> I can't knock down, That's but I can never get. That's the one. You know it. You know it. <laughs> First of all, Chumbawamba is a very interesting band. They were an anarcho-communist collective. I don't really know what what? that... Yeah. I don't know exactly how that translated to the inner workings of the band, but that's not important. The word tub-thumping means aggressive political protesting, and they were pretty aggressive and political and Uh, (laughs) (laughs) protesty. Protesty. But the the song actually has a more personal... uh, First of all, it's a huge song. It's so much fun to play. Oh, my God. And if you're in the audience when this song comes on, or if you're on stage, it doesn't matter. You can't help but get swept up in it, no matter what you think of it when you're trying to show off to your friends and tell everyone how it's overplayed and so on. It's got... It's got swing, it's got punk, it's got alt-rock, it's got traditional, it's even got classical. Besides Danny Boy, the, the yeah, classic sign, yeah. it's, it's also got the trumpet voluntary, which uh, was misattributed to Henry Purcell until the 1940s. It's actually by Jeremiah Clark and comes from 1699. Wow. So listen to it. You'll hear it. In That's the intro. a what we call yeah. a deep cut. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Everyone knows the trumpet voluntary, just maybe yeah. not by that name. But so. knowing who it's by and that it was well, from 1699, you know. that's you, deep. Thank you, Google. Um, <laughs> so, But it has got a personal element. You can interpret it any way you want. It's about persistence, perseverance. Uh, it was inspired. The guitarist and his wife were coming home, and their neighbor, next door neighbor, was drunk, and he was trying to open his front door. And he was okay. singing Danny Boy the whole time, but he couldn't get the <laughs> door open he finally got the door open so the guitarist guy this guy by the name of boff whaley i didn't know that name um, he started linking danny boy with this idea of not giving up and he wrote the song around that it's just a great song again snark all you want put on tub thumping turn the volume up and try not to get excited plus it's also kind of a drinking song it's everything <laughs> <laughs> they, they they just mishmashed everything that they yeah, could it's a it's a bar anthem yeah it's got a, it's it's a fantastic song <laughs> And it goes cleanly into a lot of other songs, by the way. Ah. You can always break that one out in the middle of a set and nobody around you is expecting it and they got to follow you. (laughs) (laughs) 
says the band leader. You guys like to call tunes and just have everybody follow you. It's like, what's the expression? Jumping with it, not jumping without a parachute. Walking the tightrope without a net, something like that. Something just like keep that. Keep it interesting. Yeah. yeah. On to my number three, which is The Pretender by the Foo Fighters. Great one. It's on Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace from 2007. This song starts with a stripped down intro with soft guitar and vocals, and then the crack of Taylor Hawkins' snare kicks in with the guitar riff, and we're off and running. And the band kicks it up another notch as the song goes on. The bridge goes back to being a stripped down part of the song, but the crescendo gets us back up to full speed. It's just an absolute powerhouse of the song. Dave Grohl has actually said that the Sesame Street song, One of These Things Is Not Like the Others, <laughs> may have subconsciously influenced his writing of The Pretender. It's fantastic. <laughs> He's like a big Muppet sometimes, too. Sometimes yeah. he is, yeah. He also said, it's the type of song that I look forward to opening shows with, and it came together really easily. We put that song together in, I don't know, a day, whereas a lot of other songs that we work on, we work on for weeks. I have to say, rest in peace to Taylor Hawkins. This is my favorite Foo Fighters song. It's my daughter's favorite Foo Fighters song. And when we went to the Taylor Hawkins tribute show in London last September... My daughter said, Daddy, tell me they're going to play The Pretender. And I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> if there's one song that they're not going to miss, it'll be The Pretender. And nice. it kicked on, and she just lost her little mind and was having such a great time. Nice. I love that song. All right, dude, what's your number three? My number three is my shirt. I'm wearing my Muse t-shirt today. It is Plug-In Baby by Muse. This could have been anything. Today it was Plug-In Baby. First of all, it has an amazing guitar hook, which calls to mind Box Toccata and Fugue or Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings. I'm guessing from our discussion of Stairway to Heaven a few episodes ago that it might be a line cliche. I'll have to could be, get your yeah. opinion on that. Matt Bellamy, who writes all the songs for Muse, is a classically trained musician and pianist. He brings in these classical influences a lot. But the real lift is not the hook. The real lift is the chorus, which Muse writes a great chorus anyway. But yeah. the, this chorus just soars. It's amazing how they make this stuff like three, three guys. Just three guys. Yeah. They're um, kind of like Rush that way. Yeah. This is also a classic case in point by why lyrics don't matter. We've talked about this before. We had a recent <laughs> one-minute matchup on it. Lyrics matter? What is this song about? Is it about sex? Is it about technology? Is it about resistance? What does plug-in baby even mean? What he actually had in mind was something that you plug in. But I always thought it was not a command, but a hey, plug in, baby. So I didn't, I yeah. didn't really get that. It didn't matter. It didn't affect the song. Uh, here's what Matt Bellamy has to, had to say about it. He does say that he was high when he wrote it, and he has no idea what the lyrics mean. But <laughs> this is, here's, a quote, here's a quote from Matt Bellamy. It's all random. It just comes out. I mean, it's random. I've got no idea what I'm singing about at all. Sorry. It's just kind of like, write a few chords, improvise a few words, and just hope it means something. It does mean something, but I can't work it out myself, because I'm subjective, you see. So I can't actually quite work it out. That's for you to work out. I think that's why lyrics don't matter, is because when you hear just a few breadcrumbs of lyrics, you fill that in with your own experience, which yeah. we have talked about before. Uh, anyway, Plug In Baby is a great rousing song. It doesn't have, a, to me, an angry or happy component. It's just something that gets you fired up. Okay, cool. My number three, Plug In Baby by Muse. My number two is Gorilla Radio by Rage Against the Machine. That's nice. why I'm wearing the shirt. Nice. It's on the Battle of Los Angeles, again, from 1999. It seems like I've got a year theme going here. I could have gone with Bulls on Parade or Killing in the Name, but I had to go with Gorilla Radio. 
This one's not for the kids like a lot of Rage songs. And there's a well-deserved explicit lyrics warning. But the music is the usual great heavy loud metal sound with a crazy guitar solo by Tom Morello that sounds like a synth on steroids. And the reason I went with this one is the ending where after the guitar solo, Zach Dillaroca whispers, it has to start somewhere. It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now? And then finishes off the song by screaming, all hell can't stop us now. And if that doesn't get you fired up, nothing will. The video parodies late 90s Gap commercials. I had to go look at this thing and watch it after I read that. Those ads featured the young people singing songs while against a white backdrop wearing clothes from the Gap. And the phase Everybody in Denial was a play on Everybody in Khaki, which was one of the catchphrases in the Gap ads. That's awesome. Yeah, so inspiration can come from anywhere, even crazy bad TV commercials. Very true. So uh, that's my number two, Gorilla Radio by Rage Against the Machine. My number, number two, two. I'm going to say, first of all, that when I was, you mentioned when you used to go to the gym, I used to run. When I did, I had a cassette tape, not a playlist, a cassette tape. A cassette a tape, yeah. And, you know, you know, yeah, you make a mix and you try to, t- you know, you try to get good rhythms and good tempos. And, yeah. But I wanted to kick it out for the last uh, quarter mile or so. And I had a song at the end of each side of the cassette tape for that burst of energy. For that purpose. So my yeah. number two and my number one are the songs that were at the end of my Oh, nice. my running cassette tape. On side two, which is my slightly less favorite side, was Rhythm of the Heat by Peter Gabriel. It's the first track on his fourth solo album, okay. generally called Security, from yeah. 1982. We talked recently about Biko. Peter Gabriel got really in- interested in other influences, particularly African and Asian, South American influences, world music influences. He used them more and more in his work, and he does it a lot in this one. Okay. The original title of the song was Young in Africa, Young, J-U-N-G, the psychologist. Jung. Like Jung, is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. You are a psychology major. So I'll yes. Take it was inspired by Carl Jung's visit to Africa to study the collective unconscious. Right. I don't yeah. know what year that was, but you can fill that in, or we can do that in a future take, too. Anyway, <laughs> the song, I have to fast forward through the first roughly four minutes of the song, because... The song is good. It's got good rhythm. Yeah. Around three minutes and 15 seconds, it descends to near silence. And the singer has a dialogue with a whispered voice responding to him. Uh, He says, smash the radio. And the whispered voice says, no outside voices here. Smash the watch. And the whispered voice says, cannot tear the day to shreds. Smash the camera. Cannot steal away the spirits. And then he has this long sustained cry. He says, the rhythm has my soul. And then at four minutes, the song changes into a Ghanaian war dance. Oh, by wow. the, Played by the Ekome Dance Company. Couldn't find out much about them. And it is just crazy. When you listen to the song, especially if your adrenaline's already up because you're running or something, you get filled up by this primal energy. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a really cool song. The rhythms are really cool. The experience of listening to that song is really cool. Definitely get fired up by that. And like you, you want to hunt down a gazelle or <laughs> an enemy <laughs> it's just you and it makes you run fast so rhythm of the heat by Peter I gabriel i don't know that one oh, i'm gonna have to, to go that. pull that up and listen to listen it. to the whole thing but make sure you're like not near anything breakable around four minutes okay there we go something will break all right we man your number one top of the list you got another thing coming by judas priest Great on tune. screaming for Great vengeance tune. when i was in high school and we would have to do our maximums for bench press and squat for football. (laughs) I had a tape that had this on it, and I made sure that it was in the sound system for when I had to go on and do my max. 
the steady pulse of this song are the bass and the drums and the guitar stabs are what make this one such a great tune. The lyrics are about dealing with challenges. Rob Halford, the lead singer of Judas Priest, said the lyrics are about this attitude that we've always had in Priest. And I dare say we've always had it in our personal way of dealing with issues that are sent to challenge us. It's also wrapped up in the heavy metal community culture of the way we support each other with our metal. It's very much a song of hope and rising above the issues or difficulties that come our way. It's a song of resilience as well. I always listened to it before I did the Maximums in the weight room. I always listened to it before every high school football game, and it never failed to get <laughs> me fired up enough to go out and do what I had to do. Nice. My number one... You got another thing coming by Judas Priest. Nice. Ready for my number one? I'm ready. You got the last word on this. The last word. What's this the is, most fire upable song? The, 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 What's the, song the end of the, side one end on the side tape? One on the running tape is Could You Be Loved by Bob Marley and the Wailers. And I just love nice. the rhythm of that one. They wrote it on a plane in 1979. Uh, like many things around that time, it was heavily influenced by disco. It was based around a guitar riff by Junior Marvin, who we've talked about before on this podcast. And yeah. it actually quotes earlier singles by Bob Marley, including Judge Not from 1960. And it uses this really cool sound. It's a Quica friction drum from Brazil. No imagine idea what a drum, that is. Imagine a drum with a hole in the drum head and a stick running through the hole. And okay. you, you move the stick back and forth while you're pressing down on the drum head in different different ways to change the pitch. Yeah. Imagine like if you had a straw in a drink cup lid with and you rubbed plastic. it up and down. Yeah. It yeah. would make a yeah. song like that. Well, that's what the Quica does. And you could hear that it runs through the entire song. Um, it was that's the, what that is. Yes, there you go. You, okay. can, you can buy one on Tomon for about 170 euros. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first reggae song to get prominent U.S. radio airplay, uh, starting with a DJ named Frankie Crocker at WBLS in New York. Okay, It's upbeat, it's positive, yeah. and yet it just floods you with energy. That reggae skank is so strong and so consistent through the song. I just love that song. Could You Be Loved by Bob Marley, my number one. Number one. Song to get me fired up. Honorable mentions. Lots and lots of those. Yeah, I, I kind of tried to keep my list short on honorable mentions because <laughs> I would have kept you here all day. But I had to go with, for those about to rock, We Salute You by ACDC off the album of the same name. Uh, we've talked about this song before, but the cannon fire at the end mm -hmm. is just awesome. There's a song by a band called Switchfoot that I've mentioned before, If the House Burns Down Tonight on Where the Light Shines Through from 2016. Mm -hmm. Although I have to say, the better version is on Live at the Hollywood Palladium, also from 2016. The next one is Bone Crusher by Soul Hat. This is another one that's not really for the kids. It's got a little <laughs> bit of spicy language, but it's a great funky rock song. And as a side note, this was the song that they would play at Houston Rockets home games when they would introduce Hakeem the Dream Elijah Wan. And if you listen to some of the lyrics, you'd be like, wow, he actually endorsed that? So uh, I think it was just the sound guy that picked that for him. And the last one, it's not really a rock song. It's Going the Distance on the oh. soundtrack from Rocky. Oh, no, it's not what I thought you were. Not a different, it's, different song. It's not going to fly now. It's the No, no, no. I thought you were talking about the distance from Cake. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Which would be another would be one another to add honorable mention. There's Definitely, there's that, fire, yeah. 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 But this one didn't make my list because it's an orchestral arrangement. The ringing of the bell at the end of that song. If you know the song and you know where it fits in the movie, 
That's one that really gets you pumped up. Cool. Tell me about your honorable mentions. All right. Well, first, I'll start with six that were disqualified because they had already appeared on my top five list in the past. Okay. Uh, the Beatles version of Twist and Shout, Stacey's Mom by Fountains of Wayne, Miss Sweeney by Weezer, 8675309, Jenny by Tommy Two Tone, yeah. The Outro of Hey Jude by The Beatles, yeah. uh, American Girl by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Those are all songs that definitely get me fired up. A theme we've got going through here and a lot of our choices is the fact that we used to both play football in high school and yeah. En- enjoyed that and uh, our locker room song was Word Up by Cameo which we've all already talked about before too Yeah, <laughs> so we turn that on usually after we won not before <laughs> a song that's got a lot of personal meaning for me is a it's not a hugely fired up song but it's a, it definitely floods you with good endorphins is uh, Feel So Close by Calvin Harris I broke my shoulder skiing I don't know maybe 10 years ago now uh-huh. and I was in the hospital and my phone was dead the only TV station I got that was worth watching was just a cycle of 40 videos and the, the only song I could stand was this song so I would watch the other 39 just to wait for it to come back on again to get, to get a little relief. Move On Up by Curtis Mayfield is a song that always gets my blood moving. That's a good um, one. Yeah. Two Lizzo songs. I love Lizzo, but Good As Hell and About Tan Time are both songs that just get me moving every time. Another wanna, Houston act. I didn't know that either. Man. Yeah. Uh, something in the water. Uh, I Want to Be there Sedated by, by the Ramones, of course. Uh, Beautiful Day by U2 is one. That's a uh, good one. Don't Stop Believing by Journey is kind of obvious, but you know, got to mention it. And uh, my favorite Rage Against the Machine song is Bulls on Parade. That always gets me moving. Too. Bulls on Parade's awesome. Yeah, there's others too. This list could go all day. I do want to say that we always make, as you know, listeners, we always make a Spotify list of the songs in our top five lists, and we put it out there. The link is in the show notes. This is one that you should keep and take with you every time you go running or go to the gym or just want to yeah. pick yourself up. You're having a bad day. You want to feel good. Dance around your living room like Tom Cruise and Risky Business. Put this, put this, the list, this on. list on and play it. There you go. If you want to listen to the songs that we mentioned on this podcast in their entirety, check out the Spotify playlist that we've got in the show notes to hear them all. All right, kids, we're back. And it's been a long time since we've done this, but we're doing take two. So we're going to have to go back to like episode 21 and kind of give our mea culpas and, <laughs> and make our confessions because it's good for the soul. So do you... Speaking of confessions, I went back and listened to a bunch of episodes, but I didn't have a lot of time. Yeah. So I listened to them on 1.75 speed. Wow. And it sounds kind of like this. So, Seth... No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Which, frankly, probably that's what I sound like most of the time anyway. So. <laughs> Seth and Matt, chipmunk version. All right, I had a couple of things on episode 21, which was top five one-hit wonders, the physics of harmony, and the one-minute matchup was is the guitar solo obsolete. Mm-hmm. When you were going through your one-hit wonders and you gave your very scientific definition of what you thought was a one-hit, a one-hit wonder, wonder okay. due to orders of magnitude, yep. and then we got some feedback on I that. I looked that up too, yeah. <clears throat> So an order of magnitude, this is just some random definition I pulled off the internet. So an order of magnitude is an approximation of the logarithm of a value relative to some contextually understood reference value, usually 10, which is what you went with, Mm -hmm. interpreted as the base of the logarithm and the representative of values of magnitude one. When the reference value is 10, the order of magnitude can be understood as the number of digits in the base 10 representation of the value. 
which is what so I said. So you were right. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to. I checked that one too, and I didn't. Me- yep. Thank you for having my back on that. Yeah. You got it. And then since you had to do this to me on feedback, <laughs> I've already confessed about my research foul up about Mark Ronson being a one hit wonder. I did that on the feedback of episode 26. So if you want to hear the mea couple on that, go listen to that episode. <laughs> and I just want to say, listeners, you were lying down on the job there. I can't believe I had to step in for it. <laughs> Thanks, Billboard. Really appreciate your (laughs) up-to-date website. And then there was one thing on the physics of harmony. Okay. I don't know about you, but I have not gone to find a piano tuner and watch how they tune a piano. I have not done that Okay, so I guess that's still on our list. I didn't properly use the term as I should have, which is tempered. I don't – temperament. Equal temperament. I, I don't even remember if I mentioned it or not. But if you're, in case you're curious about this, I didn't maybe mention this enough, but I did get some listener feedback on this. You should go listen to the, the series of pieces by Bach called The Well Tempered Clavier, which were basically yeah. uh, studies showing off how the tempered piano could sound in different keys. I didn't have anything on episode 22, did you? I had nothing on episode 22. All right. Or 23. Episode 23. I have to bring something up. Do it. Go for it. I know this wasn't the complete bridge, (laughs) but you were so vehement about not repeating any part of the bridge in your criteria. Hit hit me, hit me. On a day in the life, the bridge starting with the symphony playing from the lowest to the highest note and then following with the part that Paul sings. It does recur at the end. Starts at about the 145 minute and then it does the symphony part again at the 355 mark. So it quotes the first part of the bridge for a second time. True, but you don't get the Paul McCartney That's true. You don't get the Paul McCartney part. But so does that make it a section, the symphony thing, a section and the Paul McCartney no, I, part of bridge? I would say that the bridge includes both the symphonic part and the Paul McCartney part, and the outro reprises a part of the bridge. I'm going to give myself a pass on that. You're going to give yourself half credit? It's still, I'm going to give myself full credit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, your point is well taken. Okay. Still the mother of all bridges. There is no bridge that comes close. So episode 24, the only thing that I had is that the Martin Guitar Factory is still in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Good call, good call. I don't think I they've ever they moved. I thought they moved it to Gettysburg for some reason. But maybe this, the two towns are nearby each other. That's maybe. why I thought that. I yeah. don't know. Episode 25, which was best live albums, female instrumentalists, and the one-minute matchup was a great live performance versus a mm-hmm. great live studio recording. Right. Do you have anything for 25? I have one thing, but go for it. Go first. Johnny Cash always started his TV show, The Johnny Cash Show, by saying, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. And the show on ABC was started because of the success of his live albums at Folsom Prison right. and at San Quentin. And on at San Quentin, Carl Perkins is actually invited by Johnny Cash to play a few songs. And it starts with a boy named Sue, and he's... On the actual song, A Boy Named Sue, the lead-in is Johnny inviting Carl to stay nice. out on stage nice. and play a few songs nice. with him. Right, and, so. and I think I mentioned in that episode that the band wasn't ready for that. They didn't know they were going to play A Boy Named Sue. He, he called it. Yeah, I'm sure, he, up. <laughs> I'm sure he called the tune, and I don't know if Carl, uh, you know, Carl Actually, may not have been very familiar with the song. So. I didn't mention it in that episode. I mentioned it in our Funny Songs episode, because I think A Boy Named Sue was on my top five. I know A Boy Named Sue was on my top five list for, for Funny Songs. Yeah, so what's your deal for 25? Uh, just that we talked about The Grateful Dead. 
and we were talking about live albums. Right, and, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, live albums and talking about Grateful Dead bootlegs. And yeah. I made an offhanded comment that it's probably all digital these days. And sure enough, one of our listeners, Chris, hey, Chris, was uh, helpful enough to send the link. So if you want to listen to some <laughs> Dead bootlegs, I will include the link in the show notes. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So episode 26, which was Music with a Message, we did feedback. Yeah. And best singing bass player was the matchup. The one thing that I had off of that, you weren't sure if Marvin Gaye was married to Barry Gordy's daughter. He yeah, was. He was, yeah. I got one from that episode. Are, okay. you, are you still going? Nope, just okay. that. Another uh, listener correction, thank you this time to Diana, who I used Richie Valens as an example of songs I disqualified because the singer was plausibly bilingual. Richie Valens did not speak Spanish, actually. Turns out La Bamba was something he did phonetically. Really? But he did grow up in a Spanish-speaking family, right, even yeah. though they didn't speak Spanish to him and he did not learn Spanish, but he did learn that song as a child at family gatherings, his uncles and cousins and so on would sing the song and or sing the traditional parts of the song, at least the lyrics. So yeah, he learned it as a child, but he didn't speak Spanish. So kind of an odd situation, but yes, Diana's absolutely right. Richie Valens did not speak Spanish. Wow. Yeah. That's something I didn't know. I didn't know it either. Moving on to episode 27, when Anglophones... That was 27. Oh, shoot. I just gave the 27. Here's a little creative editing task for you, Seth. <laughs> How do you put we'll what I just... We'll keep going with episode 27, when Anglophones sing in another language, nicknames, and the matchup was, is it rock and roll without guitar? In going back through and listening to multiple episodes, when you talk about the police... <laughs> You have mentioned that there is an album called Spirits in the Material World. No, it's a song. Did I miss? Did I misname the, the you album? You misnamed the album. Sorry, like three or Ghost four in the times. Machine, it's not Ghost in the Machine. World. Spirits yeah. in the Material is the first track on the song on the album, and my favorite police song. And I know that yeah. you know that, but <laughs> no, you're right. You're it's right. Ghost Thank in the Machine, you. kids. Yeah. That's the name of the album. Okay. Yeah. And by the was... way, if you never noticed it, the cover art for that it's a, a simulation of a digital calculator, like like we used to have in, when yeah. we were in high school. And if you look carefully, those are the faces of the three members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the three guys. Yeah. On to episode 28. Songs about real events. Read My Mind, which I think we need to do again at some point oh, in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, and then one. the one-minute matchup of music versus lyrics. I actually have a couple for this. You want me yeah, to start off? Yeah, you go, you go ahead. Okay. So I didn't know the name of Neil Young's streaming service. It was called Pono. Okay. And it went out of business in 2016. Okay. I was also corrected by numerous listeners. It is true that Neil Young has removed all his music from Spotify, but not streaming in general. It's still available on Apple Music and Deezer and other platforms. Uh, okay. So he has had feuds with them in the past too, and I'm sure he'll take his music down from them as well. But right now, you can listen to Neil Young streaming, just not on Spotify. I have a couple more. Should I keep going? Go or ahead. Have more to say about Neil Young. No, no more about Neil. Go ahead. This isn't a correction. I just, I noted when I went back and listened that you identified the drum pattern as the hook of Sunday Bloody Sunday, which is interesting because I think of the guitar arpeggio as the hook of Sunday Bloody Sunday. I'm a drummer. And the I'm drums are always the hook for me. So, okay. So it's got two hooks. Anyway, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, and my last thing is I did not remember where Amadou Diallo was from. Right. He was the victim of uh, killing by New York City police officers. He was from Guinea. So okay. He's Ghanaian. Do you have um, anything else? Yeah, I went back and confirmed 
that Run to the Hills is the best-selling Iron Maiden single of all time, and Number of the Beast is their best-selling album. We were thinking that because of Larnell Lewis's association with Snarky Puppy that maybe he went to the University of North Texas, like the one and only Roy Quinn. But Larnell Lewis attended its either Humber or Umber College, depending on whether you pronounce the H or not, where he was the 2004 recipient of the Oscar Peterson Award for Outstanding Achievement in Music, which is the highest award given by the institution. And if you've ever heard Larnell Lewis play drums, you'll know why that happened. On to episode 29, and that's songs that reference other songs. Criminally underrated guitarists, and I forgot to write down the one-minute matchup. That was but, uh, remastered albums. Ah, remastered albums, yeah. okay. Uh, I have to throw myself on the, my sword right away. Okay, go for it. Okay, because I don't know what was going on in my brain, but I identified Georgia on my mind as having been written by Willie Nelson. Of course it was not. Thank you so many people who I am anticipating, because the podcast just released 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I'm thanking all the people in advance for reminding me that it was actually Hoagie Carmichael and Stuart Gorell, not Willie Nelson. Ah. I don't know where that came from. I know he covered it. He covered it. Why I thought he wrote it. (laughs) I have a few others too, but you want to go first? Yeah. The backing track on All You Need Is Love, because they used a backing track when they recorded the live version, was recorded at Olympic Sound Studios in London with John Lennon on the harpsichord, Paul McCartney on a double bass with a bow. Which he had never played before. Yeah. And George Harrison on violin, three instruments that were unfamiliar to each of the musicians Mm -hmm. while Ringo played the drums. Then they recorded additional backing tracks at EMI Studios, which is now Abbey Road Studios. Uh, Which was then Abbey Road Studios. I think it went the other way. No. It was EMI, and then it's it's still oh, Abbey Road. Okay. The Beatles, accompanied by the orchestra and the studio guests, performed the entire song, overdubbing it onto the pre-recorded tracks. So in addition to the lead and backing vocals in the orchestra, the live elements were McCartney's bass guitar part, Harrison's guitar solos, and Ringo's drums. Right. So it's a mishmash of a right. live recording and studio stuff right. all put together. Best as I could tell, I also went and looked into this. They did actually record that outro live, though. That was So that was planned. All the songs yeah. you mentioned in, included in the outro were played live, not added later. Right. Although yeah, they yeah. did, he did further overdubs. They did further overdubs afterward for the album release or the single release. Yeah. At one point, I think you said that the James Pond theme got referred to as the Secret Agent well, the- Man riff, which is not the riff in Secret Agent Man. So we have to look at it. Wasn't the James Bond theme that I was thinking of? It was the chord progression, which involves a. You weren't thinking of the dun 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 dun. That's what I always think of when I think of the James. That's the Secret Agent Man chord progression, and it's from a song called Secret Agent Man, which I think was the theme to a TV show. But now it looks like we're up to take eight. We'll have to check that too. The song Secret Agent Man. That's the song that I was thinking of. We're gonna have to. Do another deep dive on this one, I guess. Wow, I guess so. Take this one apart. Um, I couldn't remember which island Jean Roussel, who played piano on Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic, was from. I identified it as a French-speaking Caribbean island, which I couldn't remember. Um, It is French-speaking, but not in the Caribbean. It's Mauritius. Oh, okay. In the Pacific. And I could not remember the name of the guy who formed Strontium 90, inadvertently bringing Andy Summers into contact with Stuart Copeland and Sting. His name was Mike Howell, and he was from a band called Gong, and nobody remembers that. No. But thank you, Mike. But you Howell, do for now. That. Thank you for Mike Howell for that service in bringing the police to the world. Another Howlett, Mike Howlett. I read it wrong. Whoops. Sorry. At one point, you were digging for an extra guitarist for Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah. 
but you hit yeah. the two big ones. Right. But there have been two other people that played guitar, rhythm guitar, I think, on his records. Patty Schialfa. Who's now his wife. And Susie Terrell. I think who I was thinking of when I was thinking of other guitarists on stage, I think I was thinking of Tom Morello, who often tours with Bruce so they can play Ballad of Tom Joad together. Yeah, so, yeah. But I was thinking when you have all those guitars on, on stage and you still take the solos, that's saying something. Well, when you have little Steven up there, yeah, yeah that yeah. is saying something. Yeah. All right, that's all I've got. What Do you, do you have anything else? Nope, we're clean. We're clean for take two, man. Sorry. Uh, sorry Hoagie about that. Hoagie Carmichael and Stuart Gorell, not Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we don't wait this long to do another take two. No, so. for sure. I'm going to yeah. start keeping a running tally so yeah, I don't have to go I back think... and listen to all the episodes. That's really high speed. <laughs> <laughs> So was there something on this podcast that you wanted to talk to us about? (laughs) Did we get something wrong? Do you not agree with some of the stuff that we said? Then you need to email us at podcast at rock-u.fr. All right, kids, we're back. And it's 60 seconds of awesome debate between me and Matt. It's the one-minute matchup. All right, Matt, what are we doing today? Today, I'm not quite sure how to word this, but we're talking about the best band or artist from a visual point of view. Okay. The best look. Okay. Not the best looking. That would be you and me, of course. Obviously. But, yeah. But the best look. I think I went first last time, so would you like to go first happy, this time? Happy to go first. I'll let me hand you the stopwatch. All right. Got that. And your 60 seconds on the best artist from a visual look standpoint starts now. There's a lot of ways you could go with this. I considered The Clash with their punk look with leather jackets. I can, or Sorry, The Ramones with their punk look at the leather jacket. The Clash with their, you know, sort of quasi-military look. The Beatles with their matching suits or Sgt. Peppers or whatever. Van Halen, Prince, Devo with their creative costumes. But who stands out? Only one artist really to me stands out, and that's David Bowie. Ding! Ding! Look at that! Oh, okay. Well, I will. I'll try not to say everything I would have said, but um, you have a, a, a list. Or you have a, a succession of looks, which are not just looks. They're entire statements. They're entire characters, from Ziggy Stardust to Pierrot to uh, the Goblin King to the Thin White Duke to the Lazarus character in his last album, Aladdin Sane. He creates art not just through his music, but through his his visual appearance and his stage presence I think I should leave something for you to say so David Bowie 54 seconds pretty good is this our first time ag- I think on, the, on a one minute matchup well that wasn't on either something, or? Yeah, that's yeah. not a yes or no question yeah, like an yeah. open ended question I think so alright you get 60 seconds to talk about David I Bowie I get also. 60 seconds to well <laughs> I'm gonna go through my argument alright fine okay. you do it ready alright Three, two, one. begin okay so I wanted to So I wanted to find an artist or band whose visual look was based on their music and their overall vibe. And the bands that came to my mind were Kiss, Guar, Ghost, Alice Cooper, Dead Mouse, Daft Punk, Lady Gaga, Sia, Twisted Sister, Elton John, especially in the 70s, uh, and The Village People. And all these folks are great examples. And I was going to choose Devo just because their look was so integral to their sound and their vibe. It just meshed so well. But, like you, had to go with Bowie. He did it better than everybody else did. 
because every time he changed his musical persona, the music actually, he had a look to go with it. Aladdin Sane, Ziggy Stardust, Halloween Jack, the Thin White Duke, and the Blind Prophet on the last record. Mm-hmm. So David Bowie's the winner. One minute exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, really, what else is there to say? I know. <laughs> I mean, pretty- it's Bowie. End of story. <laughs> Hey, Rockers, it's that time of the year again, the best time of the year. Rock U is taking over La Javel, part of Bercy Beaucoup, for our annual Rock U En Seine Festival. Every Rock U artist, every Rock U band, kids, teens, adults, solo artists, and even the instructors on stage, June 17th, 18th, and 21st. Go to our website for details. Extra credit, the Rock You podcast is brought to you with support from our partners at Big Pebble Records. Big Pebble Records is your one-stop shop for all music production in Paris. Everything from the composition to the creative side, to the recording and engineering, to the mixing and mastering, to the distribution and publication and publicity. Check them out at www.bigpebblerecords.com. And of course, you will hear lots of Rock You musicians on that label. Extra Credit, the Rock U podcast, is a production of Rock U. Expertly engineered and recorded by my good friend Seth Hinkley. And our theme music is written and produced by Tom Walters. Rock U is a nonprofit association, Loi 1901, and we'll see you next time.